from our virtual studios in the Netherlands and Camarillo, California. It's time once again for the Marketing Geeks podcast, and we have quite a show lined up today. In fact, I would have to say I I am probably geeking out over the next guest more than any other guest I've ever geeked out on, if that is humanly possible. That's right, because today we are getting into future tech. We're talking about what's coming down the pipeline. We are going to get into the worlds of virtual reality and augmented reality. And we're, uh, Andres, you're a self-proclaimed futurist, so this is your realm. Take it away. Oh, God. Well, I, I got to tell you, uh, the, the next guest that we are going to have on, uh, I, I am I am in kindergarten compared to the uh, brilliance uh, and, and the crown that this next guest has. Uh, I am not worthy, but uh, I will tell you this, at the end of it, uh, I will I will have risen just a little bit, as will all of our listeners, because you will all be smarter and geekier at the end of this podcast. <laughs> That's right. And without <laughs> further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's the Marketing Geeks. How are Marketing you? Geeks. Yeah. Well, we're going to go pay some bills real quick. And then as soon as we come back, we have a show for you. So stand by. And we're back. Thank you for enduring that. Our next guest is quite something. In fact, uh, she has uh, written the book, literally written the book on uh, augmented reality and VR marketing called Making New Realities, an introduction to VR and AR marketing, branding and communications. Not only that, she's also a futurist, a keynote speaker for uh, AR, VR, uh, X, our spatial computing and she was one of the top voices on LinkedIn in 2018 without further ado ladies and gentlemen I would like to introduce Kathy Hackle how are you Kathy hello hello marketing geeks Hello. It's such an honor to have you uh, uh, among among some of the other things. In fact, your uh, area of expertise led you to doing a little bit of work with uh, Magic Leap. You've been on CNN or what ABC News and CNN uh, as a uh, as an expert. Uh, I I, and I also want to know about uh, XR spatial computing. So uh, welcome. Welcome to the show. And uh, thank you for for. Uh, for being on. You, you, uh, you told us that you've... Yeah, I'm super pumped to be here. Yeah, and, so. and you've never heard the show and you still, like, that's that's great because <laughs> you took that leap. Had you actually... I took the leap. For there you you did, yeah. I believe in you guys. It's not actually oh, me. It's well, my hologram doing the interview. So there you go. Oh, that's right. It's your digital, uh, it's your digital self. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, an AI representation of, of the real Kathy. So, uh, so why don't you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and, and how you you ended up uh, doing what you do and what you do and, and how you do it. Yeah. So um, I come to the VR AR world from a storytelling background. Uh, I used to do, you know, journalism and marketing uh, and I've been in the industry for about four years. And do you want me to tell you my origin story? Yeah, please. Origin stories are awesome. Oh, I would love it. I'd love your origin story. Perfect. You were bitten by a spider and then the comet came down from space. Exactly. <laughs> no. So um, back in 2004, I was working for CNN and part of the job was to look at all the raw footage that was coming in from the war in Iraq. So as you guys can imagine, oh, yeah, I had to see horrible stuff, right? Uh, just like the Facebook moderators have to see horrible stuff. That was part of my job. I had to see 
horrible things. And or the Amazon moderators now have to listen to private conversations I was reading True. yesterday. <laughs> I, I heard that too. I was like, man. Yeah. Um, I, I would actually dig that. That would be kind of, that would just be strange, but. I don't yeah. know. That would be strange. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but when you have that type of job, right, you, you turn the humanity switch off just a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. And for me, it wasn't until I had my first VR experience that I didn't feel like I was able to fully turn it back on. I, you know, went to a conference, um, got invited to put on a headset. I put an HTC Vive on and went uh, into an experience called confinement by the Guardian. It puts you in a six by nine meter solitary confinement cell in VR uh, where prisoners spend, I think it's like 90% of their time, something crazy. Wow. And, you know, within a couple of minutes, I was like claustrophobic, took, took the headset off. And I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. This is it. Like, <laughs> not not be in a cell. Not be in a cell. Not be in a solitary confinement cell. What a weird life choice. Weird life choice. I want to go to solitary confinement. You know, it was like, you know, I want to, this is the future of storytelling. This is what I want to do. And that was about four years ago. Did a really hard pivot. Okay. And uh, fast forward, here I am today. Well, so. My, my first experience with VR was back in like 95 or 96 when they used to have those, those five minutes for $5 yeah, VR arcade games. Whoa. Yeah. So I, I, I remember doing that and like being like, eh, eh it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I know, it was so clunky back then. It was like playing like, it was like doom. It was like the graphics were like the level of like doom yeah. or something back then. And it was, it was cool in that you could like turn and like face different directions, but the tech was just not there yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I remember. So, uh, so tell me, uh, you, you wrote, you wrote a book, uh, called, um, uh, called, uh, a marketing book, uh, and, and, uh, uh give us the title of it. Tell us a little bit about it. I, I, I want to know more about like the genesis of it and how you came up with, uh, with the concept and what, what yeah. this story is about. Cause this, this is really fascinating to me. Yeah, it's, it's a great book. It's called Marketing New Realities, and it's on Amazon. And you, the whole idea behind the book was there were really, at that time, not a lot of resources for marketing folks to, that really wanted to learn about AR and VR and how do you start working in these technologies? How do you start, you know, selling it, you know, to your clients or within within the company you work at? And uh, my co-author and I said, well, let's do it. Let's write this. We wrote the first VR AR marketing book. In the span, of, I think it was like five months, which is you know quite an accomplishment yeah. there, and and yeah, and, and the you know it's a it's an educational resource. We want people to read it to walk away with questions answered, and also use it as education material for their clients or people within their company, and say, hey, you know, if you have any questions, this book might help you. So it's a for us as a door. We see it as a door opener and educational resource. Great. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's been quite a journey. I'm working on my second one right oh, now. Oh, what's that one? That one's called uh, the augment the augmented workforce. How AR, AI, and five G will impact every dollar you make. Wow. So That's a great title. I have a ton of questions just around that. But, uh, no, no, but just the <laughs> augmented workforce, I just think of like, you could have workers that look at something and then have like training material pop up. <laughs> yeah, awesome. superpowers. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it's, it's about the human workers that are going to be augmented, but also, you know, the automation and the robot workers. So it's, it's kind of both. It's, it's a combination of both. It's, you know, augmenting our workforce means a lot of different things. So, so first of all, I, I'd like to, to just ask the, the, the main question about your, your book and what, what, how is, is augmented marketing going to 
to be done in your mind? What is the, because, you know, just, just for you listeners out here, how fast this technology is going. If you haven't seen, for instance, Magic Leap and uh, the personal assistant they're developing named Micah, uh, I recommend just checking it out and, and seeing for yourself like where this is going. But it is, it, it, once we move past cell phones uh, and computers, this is the technology. My son, who's four, is, is, is going to be kind of in this technology the way that we were all into uh, iPads and uh, iPhones. So how does, how does advertising look in with AR and VR? Well, so we're going to start with, you know, with spatial computing, which is really that next computing platform, right? Yeah. So exactly what you're saying, that's what's happening. We're moving away. You know, we had first these giant computers, then we had these, you know, laptops, then we had cell phones, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, now we're obsessed with our cell phones. What what comes next, right? What comes next? And that really is um, spatial computing, which combines augmented reality with AI, with 5G, with a whole bunch of different, you know, emerging techs. So computer vision, et cetera. So it's kind of that next way that we're going to engage with our technology. So that obviously implies a paradigm shift in how we communicate messages about brands and about companies. It's, it's what I call like a seismic shift. It's, it's the, the idea, the basic idea, then this is really important. The basic idea that content is expanding, right? Content is expanding beyond the 2D, the I call them the rectangles in our hands and are on our walls or on our desks mm-hmm. to content that is 3D, 360, augmented, holographic, you name it. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of breaking the restraints of that 2D flat screen that you're in front of. So it's that next iteration. So obviously that has a lot, a huge impact for advertising, marketing, any type of content creation. Now, like in, in terms of wearable tech, because like wearable tech's a big thing. Like yeah. I, I think there, I think there's a future there. I think it's it's not. Um, I think you know it's not going to be like anything that looks. It, it needs to look natural. So I, I'm assuming that eventually yeah. wearable tech will be a big thing. But there's going to be some sort of either stylish sunglasses or contact lenses, or we're going to do the uh, you know in, inject a, a chip in our brains and and then have it function <laughs> that way. What, what do you see as like the wearable tech future? All of those. <laughs> yeah. Check, check, check. Um, it's going to, you know, we're going to move away from our phones, our handsets, let's mm-hmm. say to our headsets. And that's coming down. You know, that's not that's not happening just yet, but that's eventually what's going to happen. And then, um, you know, yes, there will be contacts. And then eventually it'll be that brain machine interface yeah. where we're just controlling with our with our brains. Um, but that's like further way further down the line. Right. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to yeah. volunteer and be the first person to let them inject a chip in my brain. I think I'm going to do cool. it. Dude, well, let me do it. I'll do it for you. Give me like four <laughs> beers and I will totally do that for you. It. Well, it's funny because so, some of my friends at Moxie have this like brain machine interface like part eight thing. And whenever you yeah. have to try, like you have to sign away, sign all these waivers. Because it's like, you know, they're like, we don't know. Something could happen to your brain. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I know. We've all seen that episode of, Dark, of Black Mirror. So we know where that goes. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. But uh, okay, so, okay. So, so first of all, uh, how far away is this technology? Like, like, what do you see the timeline is roughly? Okay. Well, what I can tell you is currently the phone you have in your hand, probably, you know, if you have a... a, a Are a, you sure I have a phone in my hand? I'm sure you do. Well, I've got <laughs> you're, 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 like, you're like psychic. I can see you. <laughs> What's in my other hand? <laughs> I don't know and I don't want to know. <laughs> it's my microphone. You People got a dirty mind. 
Um, but, uh, you know, basically right now your phone can do AR. Okay. It, it can do lots of augmented reality. Granted, it's not the most enjoyable experience because you got to hold up your phone. Uh, but you know, for wayfinding right now that, you know, slowly using augmented reality with Google maps to find your way, like that mm-hmm. little blue line in front of you, instead of having to look at the map and Try to figure out where you are. Pokemon that Go. That's going to be huge. Yeah, Pokemon <laughs> Go is fun. Well, you know what? They're coming to market with a, um, a Harry Potter game pretty soon. So that'll be fun. I think that'll be wow. fun. going to get a lot of people playing again. So, uh, uh, okay. So, so what would you say that the, 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 like you just putting out the timeline, what does it look like? See, I don't necessarily like saying a specific year. Well, you don't have to, but like 10 to 15 years, like what are, is that when phones are going to go away? Are they still going to be relevant? How about about a time and a date, a time and a year? Let's go there. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I would say by 2022, we'll have some type of Ray-Ban moment where you have smaller glasses that, you know, that do all these things that, you know, start, they start probably with your phone and then move up to full on you know, augmented reality, intelligent glasses mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, that are not tethered or anything, probably 2022, um, you know, full adoption of that, probably not till 2030. Yeah. Now, what about, I mean, I've been reading yeah. about these, these computers now that can like, you or not even computers, but like EEG things where they're like starting to read and translate brainwaves into thoughts. Is that something I should be worried about? No, you should be excited about it. <laughs> okay, I don't think you should be worried about it. I think you should be excited. I mean, you know how many times you're in bed, you're like, man, I wish I had that item in my hand. I got to get up and go get it. Yeah, that's true. Maybe you're going to just be able to use your brain, you know, you call the, call, call the little drone that lives in your house with your brain and ask it to go get a beer and bring it. Really? To really? When I'm lying in bed, and, and the thing that I'm worried about is invisible spiders, but that's, I don't know if like I could <laughs> okay. be helped with any of that. Ask a drone and it will, you know, who knows what will happen. <laughs> but uh, you sound like my three-year-old who sees spiders. Like she'll be a spider. Like, that's that's spider. why I probably act like a three-year-old a lot too. Uh, you know, uh, so <laughs> I want that toy. Cause I do like you talk about magic leap and that's what I am. I'm like, can I have that? Can I have that? Can I have that? So, uh, if, like you, you've done a little bit of work with Magic Leap. I don't know how much you could talk about it because it's still, you know, kind of new. Uh, what can you tell us? I can't really tell you much, other than, other than you know, I'm working with our enterprise team. We're working really hard uh, across verticals. You know, everything from healthcare to automotive to manufacturing, and how it's all going to impact you know the future of work. So, um, yeah, you know, not, not much there, but I do think. Even before I joined the company, I was completely just entranced by their technology and by, you know, by everything that they want to do in the world. So, you know, if you look at Roni, the CEO and what he's been saying about the magic first, that, that let's say that digital, that digital layer that surrounds everything that, you know, the data that covers everything that we, that we have around us and what that means for the future, like that is really exciting. He calls it the magic first. Hmm. So you well, know, I like that. that I like that, that, that a lot. That, that is very promising. It's very exciting. And, you know, could be, I always joke and I always say that I currently work with the future Mark Zuckerberg's, Sheryl Sandberg's, Elon Musk's of the world. Yeah. Because they're all part of my industry, right? It's really one, one of them is probably the next one. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I, I mean, and, and let me just take one step back for th- our listeners who don't know what uh, augmented reality is. Augmented reality is basically a, um, uh, a form of communication, a form of computing where you put uh, a uh, something on your over your eyes that basically puts a layer of information 
uh, over uh, your reality. So unlike virtual reality where you can't see uh, outside of your, What's yeah, you, you've got a thing on your head and you can't see, you get lost yeah. in the world. Augmented reality will basically uh, put something in your living room uh, that you can see and interact with. Why don't we like? Why don't we let the expert define it? Let's 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 hear the expert def, uh, definition. <laughs> That's probably a good idea. That's yeah. a good idea. This is the way. The easiest way I find to define it. VR puts you in a different world, so you have to put on a headset. You're blocked out from the real world. You're transported in a totally, com completely different world than the world you're currently in, right? Yeah. And then with AR, it that it adds a digital element uh, to your reality. So yes. whether it's a Pokemon, whether it's information. Whatever it is, it adds that a digital element, right? And when you get into spatial computing, that's where it gets exciting because those digital elements that are placed in your reality are spatially aware. So they yeah. know, you know, they know how they can walk with you. They can go downstairs. They can, they can, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's pretty cool. They mesh reality, which is really cool. And if you think about it, even geekier is in, in order for robots to see the world, we need to have that spatial computing, that spatially aware, the technology that or allows them to be spatially self-driving cars too, right? Yeah, yeah. It's all, it's all, it all, it's all part of this. Like all these emerging techs coming together, right? So yeah, I don't know. It's just we live in such an exciting time. I, I have a question honest. though. I, I want to go a little bit, a little bit deeper into this augmented reality advertising because I think augmented reality is well, it's already yeah. here in the the form of the camera. Like even Zuckerberg came out, I think yes. it was a year or two ago, and he said the first form of augmented reality really is your cell phone camera. Mm -hmm. And then with the iPhone 10, that was the first phone that really um, released a fully augmented reality camera, I believe. Um, now with, with that, cause I know that, um, when I watched you speak at social media marketing world and you, you talked a little bit about, you showed like examples of how they had like luxury car makers were letting you customize cars in a, in a three dimensional space. And you also mentioned that there was a technology, I think you said that target was already like starting to trademark a, na a name for it, where that we're, we're starting to get like the ability to try on clothes that will map to your body type. Yes. And what was the name of that? Or what, what are they trademarking over there? Uh, so the word is volumetric. They're not trademarking volumetric, but the concept is volumetric. So volumetric scanning is pretty much um, when when instead of having like a, a, a flat photo of you, it's like a, a photo that is all encompassing, like a whole full 3D 360 model of who you are. Right. Mm -hmm. So through volumetric um, changing rooms, someone at Target can go in and try clothes without actually having to change clothes. Because they look at themselves in the mirror and the mirror maps the body and knows how to put on, you know, knows that the, you know, how a dress would look on them and models it. Or you could look at a model in front of you that's a model of yourself, volumetric model, and you can kind of see what, a, you know, what the pants would look like. Okay. And then in real time, so can I share yeah. those on Facebook and then have people vote on which one I should buy? Yeah, you should yeah. You could. You there we go. Man, you should do that now. <laughs> you should just like you should just change I should clothes. Do that now. Just take pictures. Take pictures of you changing <laughs> while you're doing the show, and have people vote on it. And uh, I think we'll get more <laughs> listeners. You should do who wore it best. <laughs> who wore it best? Pictures of yours. Who wore it best? <laughs> this is my 3D avatar. Who wore it best? Um, and see what. So, um, how how do you think you, this is going to change society? Because you know, it it used to be that that uh, you walk into a party and the kids would all be playing and now you walk into a party. I did, I, the other day I walked into a party and I had my four-year-old son and they basically said, as soon as I walked in, the hostess said, the drinks are on the left and on the right you could like deposit your son. And there was 
just a whole like bunch of kids just sitting there on their phones. And I thought, well, that's, I don't know how I feel about that. On the one hand, that kind of sucks. On the other hand, I can go have a drink with some adults, right? <laughs> so, so how, uh, where, where do you, how do you see the future being with us? Like, what's your prediction? Uh, I, like the interaction, the way it's going to rewire our brains. I see it as heads up, you know, instead of heads down, looking at the screens, we're going to be heads up. Uh, you know, those glasses are going to overlay that information in front of your eyes. So yeah, I'm going to be seeing all this information pop up, but I can still look, look you in the eye. Right. Mm -hmm. And. Will I look like George Clooney or, or, or. Eventually you (laughs) might be able to select what you look like. For sure. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, for sure. Um, Yeah. Because this is what I think the, the basis of this is we've already digitized our lives in some way, right? These young children live in this digital world. They, are, they have a physical world they live in, but they have a digital persona that all of us have, right? So we've digitized our lives. And it's that merging of that physical and digital that's really going to kind of mer- like come together. Um, there's, for example, what's um, Tinder? Uh, the people that own Tinder bought an AR startup. And the reason they bought it, people are like, why would they buy an augmented reality startup? It's because through augmented reality, you're going to be able to measure biometrics. Like you're going to be able to wear your glasses, be on a date. And your glasses are going to be able to tell you like, oh, is this person doing making enough eye contact? Like, the, you know. <laughs> the, the, no, that's not like what's going to happen. Cool. You know what's going to happen? People are going to be sitting on their date, looking at their date, still swiping while they're looking at the date going, maybe I can upswipe. That's what's going to happen. So, so okay. So, so uh, how how is because uh, the way that the trends in marketing have have gone from uh, the uh, like when when we were kids, you know, you watch uh, Disney Channel or you watch Saturday morning cartoons, and you're advertised, advertised, advertised. Like there's disruption, disruption, disruption throughout your show. And now my four year old, uh, he doesn't watch commercials. He never watches commercials because he watches yeah. Netflix and he skips through commercials on uh, uh, on on YouTube. And the, the, the most amount of commercials he uh, is exposed to is when he's playing an app and, and the ads pop up in the app. Yeah. What is the future of advertising? Because a lot of advertising now is story-driven and uh, influencer marketing. Can you give us an idea of what that's going to look like, especially with AI influencer marketing and how that's going to operate? Oh, yeah. Oh, you're hitting on what I love to talk about, which is virtual humans. Yeah, geeks. Right? Virtual I humans. Geeking at virtual humans. I, I think it's really interesting. Um, you know, I always start with little Michaela. So for the, those, those, of you, those of you guys that are listening, if you don't know who little Michaela is, she is an influencer on Instagram. She has about 1.3 million followers, books, campaigns with Montclair, Louis Vuitton, Diesel, you name it. And she's not real. Right. That's awesome. (laughs) She's a CGI model. Right. And that's pretty amazing. She's this agency creator. Is there an, uh, I was hoping, I was hoping for like an overweight, like 58 year old male that created her, but it was an agency. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It was an agency that created her (laughs) and she's fantastic. Like she's got this personality. Um, She's like her friends are other like CGI influencers. She was in this fight with this, this other CGI influencer. Like people get really into it. I feel like Gen Z is really open to that concept, right? So very popular. You know, Shootogram is another model. She's booked campaigns with Balmain for Fashion Week. Um, it was a whole campaign called Virtual Army. <laughs> so there's all these, um, you know, different influencers. And my latest one. So whenever I speak about virtual influencers and digital humans, 
Uh, I've always said brands like Wendy's uh, should definitely snarky. I mean, they've got Wendy's has a certain personality on social media, right? She's fantastic. You know, she or the team, right? The team she's known as like a smart ass, I guess you would call it. Completely. But super funny. Like people love following Wendy's because they know that, you know, it's going to be fun. Someone's going to get nuggets or whatever. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've always said, you know, this is the type of brand that should definitely do something like this. And then lo and behold, KFC comes to market uh, with Colonel Sanders as a virtual influencer. <laughs> it is hilarious. If you go to Instagram and you go to KFC, you won't find like KFC restaurant. It's KFC. It's Colonel Sanders. That's like, and it's him as a virtual influencer. And it is hilarious. It is fantastic. Such a great marketing. Um, so, so this makes up a really good point because uh, I was doing business. Uh, I, I, I was hired on as a consultant for a company once and uh, they were, uh, they, it they never, it never happened again after that one time. <laughs> That's right. But, uh, <laughs> but their, their brand was uh, a fashion brand and they, they were really uh, showing off like the brand in all of these glamour shots. And what I, I, I kept advising them to do was like, listen, people don't care about glamour. They look like advertisements. What people care about is something real or something funny. Like, can we show like real people making the product or doing something? Uh, the company I'm uh, consulting with right now, I've started a whole employee branding initiative where we're making sh like a minute, one minute documentaries about some of the employees there because uh, it's more story driven. It's a story of the company rather than just showing off the brand. So so how is interactive storytelling and, and marketing going to look like when you're wearing augmented reality goggles. Give me like a scenario where I wake up in the morning, I have my goggles on. What is, what does that look like to you? Okay. Um, I don't know. Did you watch, for example, did you watch Bandersnatch on Netflix? Oh yeah. Any chance? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I watched it like, I watched like every possible outcome on Bandersnatch. Well, that's a lot of hours. I don't want to watch it because I, 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 I don't, I don't want to like have to go, Oh, I already watched it. So I want to like savor it. Is that funny? So I don't, so I'm not you watching it. You can't say you already watched it. Cause there's so many ways to watch it. It's like, yeah, to I gotta it. do it. I gotta do it. Yeah. So it's for people that didn't watch it, it's Netflix created uh, th this show called Bandersnatch. It's like a movie. And it's like, I hate to use the term, but like choose your own story. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah, you, your you, own can't, you can say choose your own story. Yeah. You can't say, oh, you can't say that. That's trademark. Oh, I said it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> choose your own story. Um, well, they they so, got sued. Netflix yeah. got sued over they that. They got sued for that. Yeah. Yeah, oh, shit. Sure. They did. Yeah. So you could select like, you know, different, you know, paths within the story, like, does he jump off the building or does he decide to walk down the street? Like there's all these different ways and the story changes depending on what you select. Right. So, you know, there's just so many different ways to watch the movie. And it's that concept. It's called branching narrative, right? Where you're, and this is the beginning of that concept of with, with AR, what I'm going to is that agency that you're going to have when it comes to storytelling. Okay. So eventually what eventually is going to happen is that when you're engaging with one of these experiences or a game or story, you're going to be able to make decisions that impact what happens, right? Mm -hmm. It's what I call a shift from, and it's very, very clear when you do VR, but it's going to come to AR. It's the shift from storytelling where you're that passive, um, you know, passive receiver of information to what I call story living, 
where you're an actual, uh, you have agency and you're actually a participant in the story. So, so like if, if I'm like, how, how would that work? Like just on a daily basis. So, so I, I'm getting ready for work and there's some interaction going in my living room before I get ready for work. What kind of thing would be happening? Well, I think it's more when you're doing, when you're doing, when you're playing a game or watching some type of entertainment, uh-huh. that's when it's going to kick in. It's not, not so much like weather or, you know, things that you might do before you leave the house. It's going to be more when you're doing entertainment, you know, when you're kind of playing a game, like I'll give you an example. So uh, with the HoloLens, the old HoloLens, there was a game called Fragments and you would put the headset on and you had to solve this murder mystery in your living room. So there would be like rats and there'll be all this, like all this stuff, like this detective sitting on a couch in front of you, uh, all this stuff. And it's happening, you know, in your living room. And, you know, depending on what you decided to do, the story changed and you solved the crime, et cetera. So it's, it's that concept, but taken to a totally different level. So I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? Do, do you have any like, me, yeah. like <laughs> concrete examples of something that like a, a game or, or how that would, how would that flow? You mean as currently? Uh, no, no, like, like snatch. Yeah, no, no. I'm more, I'm talking yeah. more like like uh, in the future. Is it is it basically going to be similar to what's happening now? It's just more uh, immersive in your living room. More immersive in your living room. Things are going to follow you. You know, um, I'm going to take it a little bit back to like virtual humans. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we're yeah. already talking. Yeah, we're already talking to Alexa and Siri, right? Oh, yeah. So, and people are listening. Don't say it too loud because she might hear you. (laughs) Yeah, Alexa. (laughs) Um, And, but what are Alexa and Siri going to look like in the future, right? Are they, are they always going to be a voice, a little speaker that you put on your kitchen, you know, counter? No, eventually there's going to be a visual element to them. And these digital assistants or digital friends or companions, whatever they evolve to be, are going to follow you around and going to be with you everywhere so <clears throat> they're still going to be part of that story and how you go about so it's that that melding of the physical and the digital coming together yeah mm-hmm. now speaking of digital humans and going i know this is we're going back to the the kfc thing here but i i pulled up that website of the digital colonel sanders and it's really funny it so he's like super muscular and like they have like the <laughs> ultimate like handsome colonel sanders and yeah. he's got like a He's got tattoos on his, uh, on his like six pack abs and say like <laughs> hashtag secret recipe. Yeah. Oh my God, this is awesome. And he's got like a supermodel like grabbing him. So this yeah. is uh this is, this is funny stuff. I had not seen any of this Colonel Sanders oh, stuff. Oh, it's so good. And like it's, one of the, yeah. one of the articles said he's handsome. He's cool. He's living his first, <laughs> his best artificial life. Right. Oh, yeah. that's so funny. In the way I describe it, if anyone goes to see it, it's like, he's a combination of hus- like hustle culture you know, like he's like a Gary V. Like, yeah, Gary V. With, I think of Gary V as hustle culture. Yeah. Yeah. He's like Gary V. Mixed in with Shetty with yeah. like, it's like just, this hipster vibe. Yeah. He's, it's hilarious. He's like totally woke, but then he's also culture, but then he's like a model, but then it's like, <laughs> it's so, he's a model, but he's so much more and, than and, that. And that yeah. So that, that kind of gets me into this other aspect of the other end of it. So the, the user experience is going to be one thing where uh, it's going to be more interactive through story. But uh, what about as a marketer, if I, if I want to do some marketing in the future for certain brands using AR and VR, 
you know, right now it's about like Google Analytics or Facebook marketing or LinkedIn marketing or uh, Instagram marketing or influencers. What what would you say as a marketer? I would have to be sort of uh, on the lookout for, and 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 how would I go about doing my job? Mm-hmm. Or or am I just going to be outsourced to to uh, to AI as well? Yeah. Well, I would say start start thinking about the camera on your phone as cam. It's what Snapchat called camera marketing. They're a camera company. They're a camera mm-hmm. first company. If you go to Snapchat, you open the app, it automatically opens up to the camera. So it's not only because they want you to take a cute selfie, it's because the camera is going to start collecting information on everything that's around you, what you record, um, you know, and, and everything. So it's about these cameras that are going to start looking at, all, they're already looking at all our world and all the data that's being collected. So start thinking about, from a marketing perspective, how your brand or your company can leverage these technologies. So clear example, if you have a product, if you're a product company, you have an actual product, right? Like a t-shirt, like glasses, et cetera. It's moving away from just showing something to someone, um, you know, on on Instagram to them actually trying it on virtually. Okay. Mm, That's extremely powerful. That's what we call in the industry V-commerce. Some people call that voice commerce, but and now isn't IKEA doing isn't IKEA doing that now already too? Yeah, completely. Actually, I so they they have it so you could that. like you could put like an IKEA furniture piece in your house and like see a virtual representation of it size wise to see if it fits, kind of thing. Exactly. So okay. it's that yeah. concept of actually being able to see something in your reality, see how it fits, see if it you know. And the reason they did it, to be honest, the reason IKEA and Wayfair do it is uh, because it's going to hopefully eliminate or reduce the amount of returns, right? Because I'm able to plan ahead and see how big is this couch? Because it's pretty, it's pretty exact to measurement. So you're able to see how the couch, how big is it? You know, how would it look? What are the colors, et cetera? So you're Uh, able to kind of design uh... And yeah, I, I, I actually used this technology uh, not too long ago where I was looking to paint my room uh, a new color and I found uh, uh, an app from a paint store and I just kind of tried on, I took a picture of the room and then I was able to throw different colors onto the wall. I mean, it was still kind of clunky because there was a lot of bleed through, but uh, overall it still gave me a pretty good impression and then I could take a picture of it with a new color. So I could, I, it gave me an impression of what this would look like before having to like paint a wall and go, Oh, I don't like that. Or that's too red. That's too, you know, pink or, or whatever. So, so yeah, it's already, it's already here. So it sounds like to me, if, if I'm hearing you correctly, what it seems like you're saying is that the, the future marketer has to really not just like, are we going to get this product in front of someone's eyeballs to make them follow a call to action? And then we follow the customer journey and we find it. It's more a matter of how can we give this person a overarching experience. So you've got to take in to consideration everything from their state of mind to what is going to possibly be in the immediate environment yes. of the average person's home uh, and, and for certain demographics. It's crazy. It is pretty crazy when you think about it. That's and, crazy. Um, it starts with simple things. Like I said, it starts with Facebook trying on a pair of glasses on your phone and then purchasing directly there. But many people in the industry call augmented reality the full funnel. Because you're able to kind of do everything in augmented reality. And eventually you're going to be able to check out just with your gaze. So imagine that. Like that is incredibly powerful. It reduces friction, right? It makes things a lot faster. Um, And I'm trying to find the statistics because there's some amazing statistics on how augmented reality is already impacting the funnel. And, you know, any, Uh any marketer would like 
want to see these. But no. so I'm trying to find <clears throat> them right now, but can't quite find them. So before we started today, you, you had mentioned that you were kind of geeking out over what you had been reading about happening in China. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I was in China at the end of last year and I'm starting to spend a lot more time in Asia and I'm really interested and impressed, let's say, with some of the way that technology is just part of the daily lives over there. So, you know, I went to China. One of the really cool things I got to do was uh, to check into my hotel with my face. And that was pretty cool. You know, I got to the hotel. Really? Yeah, I checked <laughs> in with cool. my face. Yeah. I've been trying to do that face. for years. It just never, you never, <laughs> look at this face. Check me in. Face. Do you know I who why. I am? You're like, do you know who I am? <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, we got into the hotel. We were able to check in with our faces. Obviously the Chinese government had our faces from our passports. So, you know, that's kind of yeah. how they, how they knew. Um, it was interesting to see that, like the facial recognition side of things, uh, I went to uh, Hangzhou. Hangzhou is the, let's say the AI, cap, one of the AI capitals in China. And mm -hmm. they have the KFC, once again, KFC, um, the KFC concept store, a future concept store in Hangzhou. And that's where you can, um, you can pay with your face. Uh, you've got like uh, a robot that makes food, like makes ice cream. It's like all these future concepts all put together. And that was pretty interesting. Watching someone actually pay, it's called, it's called, uh, smile to pay, right? Yeah. So actually seeing people smile to pay, which is connected to their WeChat or their Alipay was really interesting. What if they're these really uh, smiley? What if they're like really smiley yeah. people? Then do they have to pay like three times? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. They're very happy. They're gonna pay you know, it's going to make, it's like going to make mugging people a whole new thing. Cause you're going to like, uh, walk in front of somebody and say, guy walks into a bar, has a duck under his arm, you know, and then guy smiles, you just steal his money and then run. Make the world a better place. I like you it. know what it made me think of? Did you, do you remember a movie called Face Off? Oh, yeah. yeah it's a great I want to take his face oh, off. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to like, people are going to have like plastic surgeries to look like, you know. Like Nicolas Cage. So they can, it's crazy. Yeah, I want, I want plastic surgery to look like Nicolas Cage from the mid 90s. Yeah, how, how much would I have to pay you? Like, like if that really, like, how, like think about it. If I had, if I could give you some money, and you would have to like look like Nicolas Cage for the rest of your life. How much would I have to pay you? Either one of you. <laughs> Twenty dollars. I don't know. Well, you know what? Nicholas, that was not a bad time for Nicolas Cage. Yeah. That movie was not a bad time, and that was not a bad time for John Travolta. You know, I, I wouldn't want to be either of them. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, burn! Not the bees! <laughs> not the bees! <laughs> not the bees so uh, oh. so uh okay so so the thing with china now this you, you bring up something really interesting with china because uh it is it is simultaneously uh fascinating and future tech it is also very dystopian you know because they uh i was gonna say a little terrifying yeah, that, you, that you're also checking in the hotels with your face just knowing how the government operates right and now. i'm just going on record yeah. saying that kathy is uh not saying anything uh negative about the chinese government because uh she's gonna she's gonna oh, be yeah. going back there but this is the point right is that if if you did say something negative about the chinese government there's a chance that they just won't let you in the country and then they have this whole uh ranking system now that's like this social uh, capital. Mm -hmm. uh, so on, on one level, the government is trying to control society by using this technology. Uh, on another hand, uh, it, it makes things more efficient, but it also makes things less human on some level. 
because uh, the human element is disappearing. And this is the thing that kind of freaks me out, where in, this, in the same way uh, children, and even myself, like I find myself like always wanting to check my phone. And uh, my girlfriend just recently, she, mm-hmm. she had to have an intervention with me. It was just like, I think you're checking your phone a little too much. And I was like, I'm sorry, what were you saying? I, I was checking the news. I didn't hear the thing you just said. But, uh, but, but, so the, the, but the point is, is that you, we, we really – we may run into a situation where everybody just has these goggles on and they are fed information that they choose to see in the same way that people prune their Facebook profiles. So the people that they interact with on Facebook is simply an echo chamber of their own – feelings and thoughts what what would happen when everybody's wearing goggles and everybody is looking at the world exactly how they want to look at it and reality kind of drips into like fades away uh i mean there's that possibility too right yeah yeah and that's a very valid concern but you know i think that those of us that are in the industry are working to put in best practices to put in safeguards um, so that there is, you know, data governance. So that there are certain things that don't go the wrong way. So do you think that, you know, and it could still happen, but. I, I was going to say, that, do you think that there, I mean, I, I truly believe that there's got to be uh, like kind of a, a digital constitution of human rights, if you will, where, uh, you know, the, the, the whole concept, I mean, the whole concept of influencers is interesting to me because when you have a young person sitting in front of a McDonald's with, you know, just doing a selfie of them and their friends, but they're inadvertently uh, advertising for McDonald's and McDonald's can use that content for their own advertising or influencers just simply post stuff so they can get likes, but they're also generating huge amounts of income for some of these companies who are not paying these influencers. <laughs> Fire like, Festival. Yeah. So, Fire Festival. <laughs> so, so the, the question, the question then is, is, uh, uh, when all of this data is coming in from uh, various sources, when people are just looking around their surroundings, and so huge companies now can see every single minute detail of someone's living space and see their behavior patterns and even what they focus on during the day, that data should belong to me. It should not be sold to third-party retailers. And if Facebook owns this type of technology, they're not going to give a crap if I if I say, I don't want you to do that. But Andros... Andres, think about how much money you can make off them knowing all that. I know. Stuff. I should. I should write a tell-all book. <laughs> I love. I love that you're bringing this up because I think it's a two-part conversation. One part is the concept of, and my my friend Charlie Fink calls it the world's the world's going to be painted in data, right? Data. You produce data in everything you do, every object mm-hmm. you interact with, right? This the world's going to be covered in data. It's this magic verse, this mirror world. Yeah. So Wired had on the cover a story about the mirror world. Which is exactly this digital layer that is. So I read that amazing. article. It's really good. And just just so you just for for those of us for those of you who oh, haven't so um, uh, who aren't familiar with this, it's a it's a it's in the latest issue of Wired, and it, it's it's about how there will essentially be an exact duplicate of our world in in the virtual plane that we can interact with. Well. And to be clear, since we all we all already know this, but we are already in a simulation, so we're actually just building the second layer of the simulation right now. That's right. It's the, the nice it's, Elon. It's, it is so true. <laughs> Ask Elon Musk; he will tell you it's more probable than not. That's what I'm saying. Elon's like, we live in a simulation. I'm like, I don't know if we do, but well, anyway. you've been programmed to think that. There's this. 
There you go. There you go. Maybe we're all AI. So, so you, I saw the 13th floor. I saw it. I'm one of the few people that saw that movie. So I'm sorry, Kathy. I didn't mean to cut you off, but but I, I really want you to finish your concept. Yeah, but it's it's that idea of this digital, you know, digital twin, this digital layer over a real world. Who, who you know, who does that data belong to? Um, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a really hard thing to think about. I do know that, you know, and, and I agree with, with the article that, that say that a lot of new fortunes and a lot of new companies and a lot of money is going to be made right on this digital, let's say twin of this world that will, you know, that, uh, will help with self-driving cars, will help with robots, will help with a lot of different things. Right. Um, so it's like, who owns that data? And if you want to even take it further, and I'm going to go way out there, right? Oh, oh I was please. Having a conversation. Yeah, please. yeah, I'm going to go way out there. I was having a conversation with a friend about um, genetic testing and DNA. And it's like, who owns your DNA? <clears throat> Ancestry. Right? You're, you're giving your DNA to all these companies, right? If that company, and this is from a, a talk from Amy Webb, and we were watching it. And she was talking about how if one of those companies goes broke and they have all these samples, who owns the samples? Do you own the sample? Does the company own the sample? What happens with that? Well, we, what happens with your DNA? We had a, a good lesson to take away from is what happened to uh, MySpace. Uh, people were uploading uh, massive amounts of data to MySpace pre-Facebook. I mean, for the time, not, not as much as they are now. But, but at the time, it was huge amounts of data. And when MySpace finally got sold, all of that data went to uh, uh, AOL Time Warner. Yeah. And... Uh, or no, it was, uh, wasn't it uh, uh, Fox Broadcasting? Anyway, yeah, what of the bought it? And then, yeah, then it, was Mur- it was Robert, Robert Murdoch. Uh, it. Robert Murdoch. It was, Ru- it was Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, Rupert Murdoch. And then, and, and then once, once he sold it, he sold it basically for parts. And, and it was bought by a, uh, by a data company that basically data mined the entire thing. And that's all they did with it. It was just like took the data. So all the data that people had been uploading was now just uh, eventually given to, uh, to a data company. So there's, you know, the, the technology is evolving faster than we can come up with rules around it. And I really feel that uh, this is, is kind of an issue because uh, I'm thinking about, like, for instance, my son, who, uh, you know, at four has literally thousands and thousands of photographs between me and his mother. Uh, and she posts on Facebook all the time uh, pictures of him. But he doesn't understand the repercussions of that. I don't. I don't tend to post stuff on there. But uh, you know, every once in a while, Google will feed me a, a small like movie about his uh, uh, like. They're just like, oh, they grow up fast, and uh, Facebook does the same thing. So, so what what trips me out is that you know, in twenty years, he can have a personal documentary made with this data, <laughs> voiced by an AI version of David Attenborough, and. Sir, you know, it would look like a Ken Walken. Christopher oh Walken. No. Oh, Christopher Walken. Oh, I don't know if I can stand. <laughs> this is the kid. There he is. Oh. Yeah, you can change your voice. Anyway, but 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 that's a great question. Like, who owns this data? And we're getting into this crazy time where basically yeah. our DNA, our data, our thought processes, our patterns—they're all going to be kind of up for grabs mm-hmm. to the, the highest bidder. And if well, if a large company can buy government. Uh, they can buy any information about you yeah. and we just give it away. Yeah. If uh, if Google ever buys Ancestry.com, we know why now. Yeah. That is why. There you go. <laughs> well, yeah, 
it, it brings up a whole bunch of questions. Like, who owns this data? Like, you know, who owns your DNA? Do you own your DNA, really? Uh, and the reason, yeah. this is what got me started to think about this. So I have a hologram, right? I have a personal hologram of myself that I got done. Um, it sounds like plastic How surgery. How much does that cost? I want to get a hologram. Sorry, that sounds like cheap? plastic surgery. Can I got it done. Uh, <laughs> I got a hologram. <laughs> can I get a hologram for uh, how much does it cost? Is it, can I get one for like 30 bucks? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not for 30 bucks, my friend. <laughs> you can use your Nicolas Cage money to get a hologram of yourself. <laughs> Isn't he broke? I don't think <laughs> I don't think he's got a lot of money. Oh, he's definitely broke. He makes a new movie every month. There you on, go. On, on go for John Travolta then if you want some, you know, some money. Um, yeah. But, At least he's got the church aside. Behind him. Oh God, let's not even go there. Anyway, um, <laughs> but anyway, I got my hologram done, right? And one of the biggest shockers to me was after that and everything is that I didn't own the rights to my hologram. Oh no. So that that is weird. If you think about that, that is a 360 representation of who I am with me speaking and I don't own it. And I was just kind of like, so you could be like, you could be like pitching companies and like yeah. not even know in the, and, and the, you, have, yeah. you have no idea. That I mean, you're I know the company that companies. did it is not necessarily going to use it for that, but you know, like what happens in the future? Like that's a representation yeah. Yeah. of me. Like, and I don't own that. Um, it was, it, it, it just got me thinking a lot about that. Like who owns what? And if you think about it, like it's so, pretty shocking, right? It, it is like, pretty what shocking. If the, what if the church, what if the church of Scientology bought the rights to your hologram? No. Oh my God. No. <laughs> I don't want to insult anyone out there, but no, <laughs> no. Let's go somewhere okay, else. Let's not go that. there. Let's not go there. <laughs> so, okay. So, so this is, uh, I, I mean, this, this gets into this other, you know, uh, we're creeping up at, to the end of the, of the show, but I, I, I wonder like, uh, it's it's a, it's an, you're you're right. It is an interesting time because on the one hand we are moving into this era of technology that is un, it's going to make the industrial revolution look like yeah. a kindergarten party, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but the other thing is is that if if all of this data is available to say any hacker and they can just mm -hmm. uh, in the future and they can have uh, my DNA, they can have my likeness, they can have my voice, they can have uh, everything. They could create a deep fake of, of, of me doing anything, saying anything, uh, behaving the way I would behave. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then in that instance, reality also becomes, I mean, we're already in this thing where there's a huge campaign to make news not trustworthy. So, uh, you know, people saying you can't believe what you read on the news. And uh, and I, I'm just like, you know what, you can, you, if you have sources that you trust, you can believe believe it, uh, but maybe not. Who knows? And so reality has even come into question. Uh, so this goes to the kind of my bigger question that I was wondering is like, what is going to happen? How is that going to rewire our brains as a global species when trusting reality? We can't trust what we watch. We can't trust what we hear or see. How is that going to affect us as a culture? What will be the oh, outcome of that type the of The singularity, my friend. It's the singularity. Yeah. It's, explain that for those like this is all totally on my alley but can you explain that for those of us who don't know it's, it's ultimately it means the com the when man and machine merge ultimately can it be woman and machine i want to be the first huh? i want to be the first you want to be the first <laughs> yeah it's that concept let's say of like when man, man dude give me five beers i will totally do that 
Oh, Sorry, I didn't mean to go. Six, six for me. Six bears, and I will make you. I, I will merge you. Uh, so, sorry, but so, 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 what did you tell? Can you repeat what you just said? No, it's so, the easiest way to explain it is really the moment where man and machine merge into one. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fooled. and yeah, and no. uh, and real I, quick, just speaking of speaking, real quick, Andres, uh, what you mentioned the the deep fakes thing, real quick. There's a documentary on Netflix. It's from BuzzFeed. It's called Follow This. They do a whole episode on the ability of um, AI and companies now or, or to be able to fake like you all you have to do is have footage of anybody on the planet, enough footage, and then you can speak into a microphone. They can change your voice mm-hmm. to sound like a person. They can um, they can change the lip movement of the other person. They they do example of like voicing President Obama mm-hmm. and Trump and uh, and mimicking them as and and putting in their own words. And it's it's incredible. I and mean, it's still not a hundred percent there, but give it ten years and you it will be indistinguishable. Yeah. You'll be able to you'll be able to fake anything which is and then the globalists are going to get a hold of that technology and it's going to turn the frogs gay they, they probably according to <laughs> according to that man they, the globalists already have this technology oh God, no <laughs> well there wasn't uh, wasn't like um, what's his face um, I can't remember but he was talking about robocalls and how you're going to start getting like these you know scams from the IRS with, like or, or scams from people like with voices that you know you know instead of the Nigerian prince oh, that'll be, yeah. I, instead of the Nigerian prince I missed you don't that. know asking you for money like it'll be like It'll Aunt be Andros. May. It'll yeah. be Andros. Yeah. It'll be yeah. Andros. Andros would be like, oh, I have all this what? money. I, please. <laughs> <laughs> I actually know the Nigerian prince. He and I, I took him to the Burning Man for the first time. We hung out. It was, yeah. I gave him some acid. It was crazy. I was wow. like, what a night. But you know what? You know what? At the end of it, he gave me a billion dollars. Yeah, it was nuts. It was yeah, totally it was nuts. You sent him something on Western Union, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and then I woke up in the morning and I looked like Nicholas Cage. I don't know. What happened. So, oh no. So, so uh, you know, so so one of the things that I I really uh, that really I found fascinating was when I did I, I was looking into Micah. Micah again is oh, the yeah. is the personal assistant. What I, I I often tell people that my son who is four uh, is probably never going to need a driver's license ever mm-hmm. uh, and he is probably going to be uh, uh, one of the possibilities that he could be a digisexual and uh, which is a new term I learned it's somebody who uh, prefers uh, AI robots or robots over human beings all the listeners on our show have learned this term yeah so so uh, so how how will that affect relationships in your mind if if because I, I, I really believe that the DSM six will have a, uh, a psychological condition where men, and I believe it'll be mostly men will have a, a trouble relating to real women because mm-hmm. they're so used to, uh, relating to AI that's feeding them information that will most excite them. Yeah. So, uh, what, w- tell me, tell me kind of the pros and cons. What's the monkey's paw in all of this? And, and, and do you feel yeah. responsible for being part of this, part of this uh, <laughs> evolution and revolution? Oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> do you feel responsible for the end of the world? Um, I like that tag question. I don't feel responsible. I'm doing my part. Okay. I'm currently doing okay. my part to make things better instead of worse. Um, I, you know, the whole concept like of sex robots and AI intimacy, I mean, I don't think things will ever necessarily replace the real thing. I think there's always going to be, you know, space for, you know, real human to human. Um, you know, interaction. 
but yeah, I mean, we already, we already share a lot with our phones and our, you know, our digital assistants and stuff. They know us pretty well. So yeah. I think it'll be a change. I mean, uh, will it be like in Demolition Man? Do you remember Demolition oh Man gosh. when they had the, the relations? <laughs> there you go. Um, I, I, you know, I don't think it's necessarily going to replace. But if you think about it from a singularity perspective, in your emerging human and machine, then that doesn't seem so weird, right? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm, am I responsible for this? No, I wouldn't say I'm 100% responsible. So what percentage would you say? Bring up a great <laughs> when, when the AI robots uh, analyze this audio, uh, which, how do you stand? Because I stand with the AI. Just if you're listening AI, I love you. Yeah. You stand with the AI. Yes. Don't kill me. We stand with the AI on this show. Save my family. When Skynet becomes self-aware, we stand well, with Skynet. How do you know? AI. That's true. We don't, but we stand with you then. If you are an AI, we stand with you. We stand with Skynet. We stand with Skynet. Skynet. Oh God. So, so, uh, now this is, you know, we're wrapping up the show here, but, but uh, this is what I, I truly believe that, that we are on the cusp of a spiritual awakening for, as a species, we are about to leave the planet and we are not going to be able to leave the planet. If we keep interacting with one another, the way that we've been doing, it's, it's becoming completely toxic. I, I think that we're on the verge of uh, coming to a point where we have to look at ourselves as a global species and not as as these kind of fish that are swimming around in these nation states. Uh, and and so so I, I on one level I feel that this technology is going to help us because you mentioned at the top of the show that you were in your uh, confined space. Uh, VR experience. And, and as the Buddhists say, if one person is starving, we are all starving. Uh, once we get to the point where we can really see someone else's experience, I think it's going to give us a paradigm shift as a, as a, as a species. Tell me what you predict once we have this kind of spiritual awakening as a global species, what does the planet look like to you? Oh, that's a big one. You know, in my work as futurist, I've, one of the things that's really been interesting over the last year has been that some of the companies I've been working with um, don't only want to think about technology when we're doing foresight, when we're doing forecasting and planning. Uh, a lot of them have started to be like, how does global, you know, uh, how does um, climate change factor, you know, like factor into this? And that's been really interesting because you talk about poisoning, you know, poison, like toxic relationships. We're, you know, we're poisoning our relationships. We're also poisoning our environment. So where does that leave us as a human species? And, you know, I'm just hopeful that we can use and leverage these technologies for better uh, to make us more effective, to make us, you know, um, better at cleaning up our world. You know, farming is a big thing that's going to change. Uh, you know, it's, I don't know. There's just so many, so many ways to go about this. Um, you know, and I'm just going, my, my mind just goes a million places. Not only AR and VR, but I'm thinking about, you know, um, you know, vertical farming and indoor farming and, and everything that, you know, we can potentially do with the aid of, uh, of AI and automation to not poison our world and hopefully, you know, eventually not poison our relationships. So I don't know. I don't think yeah. I answered your question, but it just, there's so many different things at so many different levels that both us as individuals and companies have to start thinking about when planning planning strategy for you know the next twenty four months, the next five years, the next ten years. Um, it's it's a little daunting, you know. So yeah. Even for someone like me that lives this right every day, it's daunting. 
Yeah, it's, it's actually one of the reasons I moved, to, moved here. In fact, uh, I just found out that the Netherlands is one of the number one uh, producers and exporters of indoor farmed tomatoes and uh, lettuce. And they're, uh, they're really on the forefront of this technology because, uh, you know, with a little bit of sea level rise, the entire country could be underwater. Yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, I'm building an ark in the backyard, as a matter of fact. There you go. So, there um, you go. So, well, well uh, this, what, what, last question because we got to wrap up but what would you say to uh, a future generation like a hundred years from now if you could if you could give them a glimpse of like what where we are and and what you would want to tell the world in in the year uh 2119 well my hope is that by then it won't be a division between man and woman black white latino whatever i I hope that identity is more fluid and that, you know, we can just be whoever it is that we need to be and that, you know, that can evolve and change. Um, you know, I don't know if I have words for the kids, you know, in the hundred, hundred years from now, but what I will tell you is that everything I do in technology currently as a woman in technology, as a Latina in technology, I do it to blaze the trail, to blaze the trail for everyone that comes after me. And if I'm doing my part, if I'm mentoring, if I'm helping, if I'm teaching, if I'm inspiring and letting other people know they can accomplish what I'm accomplishing, then I'm doing my part for the future generations. So there you go. That's it. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and uh, and this was this was amazing. I could talk to you for another like four hours, but we, we've all got things to do. But I know. Uh, we, were, we went out there. We went out there. Uh, I want to go out there again. I love this type of stuff. Will you, will you be on our show again? Yes. Why don't we touch? When it, like, let's talk in about six months. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that sounds great. I love it. I love it. Well, yeah, uh, and, and, and put this out through your network and share it with 500 of your closest friends. We 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 love you. But that's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, and with that. Okay. You know, Andros, yes. I have a solution that we can bring everybody together where we map Nicolas Cage from the mid-90s face onto every human and you walk around with augmented reality goggles and you just see Nicolas Cage's face and I think everybody will come together, the world will unite oh, and all our problems Nicolas will Nicolas Cage, the great oh equalizer. <laughs> I love that idea. Because I'm if Cage, you're Nicolas you're Cage, Cage. We'd love to have you on the show. You and your bees. You have nothing better to do, Nicolas Cage. Come on, marketing It's geeks. true, it's true. It's not like they're going to make face off too. So by all means, Nicolas Cage, if you do you know Nicolas Cage, Kathy, at all? No, I don't. <laughs> do you know any other quasi celebrities Man. in the mid? <laughs> I can tweet at him if you want. Oh, yeah, please! Oh, please tweet at Nicolas Cage and tell him to listen to this show. You have more influence than we have, so we're gonna borrow your influence to get Nicolas Cage to see this or to hear this. Episode. Man, we didn't even get into how you became a uh, top voice on LinkedIn. That, that'll be the next show. Uh, I, I there's so much I wanted to ask you, but man, this was a great mind walk. Uh, Kathy Hackle, where can we find you? Um, you can find me at kathyhackle.com or LinkedIn. That's really where I share a lot of really cool footage and videos and talks about everything I'm seeing out there in the world of tech. Well, you 